A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Nathan, uh, you know what we're going to be talking about today? Something that I think a lot of you guys are going to agree with us about this time. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the top 10 most annoying new car trends. Uh, And actually, there's a lot more than 10 here. (laughs) This is just the beginning. And of course, we want you guys to send in your thoughts on this as well. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of TFL Talk. Uh, today I've got Nathan, my man, next to me. Howdy, and uh, we are going to have some fun. But before we get to that, I want to do a special shout-out to our uh, Patreon. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash people. Thank you for supporting this podcast. And, of course, if you are looking for all of your new or used car and truck needs, head on over to tfl-studios.com where we got all of our news, podcasts, and of course videos all in one place just for you. So let's get started. I've got this list. I did a lot of thinking, Nathan. I I just uh, flew to Los Angeles. Do you know that? It's funny. You said you did a lot of thinking and you flew to Los Angeles. Those things don't work together. In one day, I flew out there in the morning. I got up at five. I can't tell you. It's embargoed, unfortunately, but it has to do with a new off-roader that's coming very soon. Flew out there, uh, drove up... uh, the uh, Pacific Coast Highway, shot mm-hmm. the off-roader, drove back in traffic. <laughs> 405 yeah. is back to its usual self. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Didn't you go up to, like, the Calamigos area? I did, Orlando? I did, yeah. Yeah, that's where I got married. Oh, not really. No kidding. Yeah, up it's, there, it's beautiful. It is, it is. I mean, now it's crazy expensive. Back in the day, it wasn't that expensive. You know what else was crazy? Huh. Uh, it was, like, 89 degrees up in the hills. Yeah. And then we drove back down, and it was, like, 77. It was literally, like, 12 degrees cooler along the ocean than it was literally five miles away. Exactly. When I lived in San Fernando Valley, and even in Hollywood, I would go to the ocean as often as possible, strictly just to relax and smell the breeze, and more importantly, feel the cooler temperatures. All right, so I've got this list on my phone. I wrote it down, uh, you know, when I was flying. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, number 10 on our list, I think it's number 15, but anyway, let's just go down the list, yeah. is uh, fake exhaust. Uh, <laughs> they have gotten out of control. And I'm specifically talking about not the car behind you, but the new Audi SQ5. When you brought that over here, yep. and you, you brought me over, and this is an SQ5, mind you. So this is the performance version of the vehicle, not, not the base model. Roman brings me over, this is a beautiful green one, and he points at the exhaust, and I'm looking and going, well, what's the problem? And he goes, no, 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 go look. And when I looked at the exhaust, my jaw hit the ground. It's fake. There's two plastic circles that are chromed, and nothing else. The actual exhaust is behind it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's like they doubled down on the design language there. So it used to be right that, like, a lot of cars would have the exhaust underneath the bumper, yeah. but then they would have like a stylized exhaust. Uh, and before then, what happened was they would have a stylized exhaust and then you'd see like two exhausts popping out of it. So it went from like stylized exhaust, which was, wasn't was real, right? It was just plastic with two like kind of, you know, just metal exhaust tips. Yeah. They got rid of the cool chrome ones. Then they went and just did the blacked out stylized exhaust with the exhaust coming out the bottom. And then... The latest thing is they actually put fake plastic exhaust tips in that stylized exhaust, which is, you know, like, I, 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 I would, I, I consider that like penis reduction surgery. Like, it's something nobody has ever in the entirety of cardam asked for. Okay, if you go there, then I can go somewhere, too. Okay, where? It, it's like masturbation without the payoff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this is a family show, but guys, you've got to agree with me on this. That is something that has 
you know, it, this is a sports vehicle, right? We're not oh, talking yeah. about a it's base a, model once again. This is the SQ5. Th- this is their performance version of the, you know, their their mid-size crossover. And a majority of internal combustion performance vehicles have exhaust jutting out the rear, blaring loud music that is, you know, the engine. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to see. When something's fake... And I just I can't wrap my head around what makes that good. Just get rid of the fake exhaust and put a plastic piece there and be done with it. Yeah, I agree. You know, obviously, maybe that's uh, a reaction. It kind of did go too far. Like I say, I was in LA yesterday, uh, and I, I got to tell you, there is uh, every other car, especially like around Long Beach by the airport. There, mm-hmm. right, is a Dodge uh, Challenger with a straight piped exhaust. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> even V six ones as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and you know, I, my, my wife used to live in downtown LA for a while yeah. on Olive Street, and you could not go to bed without hearing like, vroom, vroom, right? And so it, it did get a lot of control, but at least it was cool, right? Maybe not, you know, two in the morning downtown LA cool, but nevertheless, mm. you know, a, a badass sounding Jaguar where they actually had that, you know, that that raspy kind of. Verbal, you know, the, yeah, with a little bit of rattle to it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, it was awesome. Or yeah. the previous generation Corvette, any Corvette at this point. You know, Roman, I don't understand why, and it's mostly German, by the way, uh, because it's not just Audi. Volkswagen's doing it too. We have an Atlas in our parking lot right now, and it's a good-looking vehicle, I think. Um, but if you look at the back of it, it has two fake exhaust tips. They just, they're, they're not attached to anything. It's just plastic. You, you, and know, you know, I asked about it, right? Yeah. And the rationale I got from the manufacturers is that they build these cars for a lot of different markets. Yeah. Uh, and so it's much cheaper to actually have uh, stylized exhaust and then route whatever kind of exhaust they need out the bottom. So if it's a diesel, if it's a you know, performance vehicle, you don't have to change the actual tail fascia bumper uh, when you're changing the engine. Which would make sense if we're talking about an entry-level vehicle going to a third-world country. But it doesn't make sense for a luxury crossover performance vehicle. You know, I, I don't, I just don't buy that. I, I can't, I can't buy that. Now, I do with Volkswagen. I could see that, okay, maybe they're saving a couple bucks by doing it this way. But honestly, it doesn't look right. And that's the other thing. It's, it's, it's a tease. It's fake. So, yes, I do not like fake exhaust. It doesn't make any sense to me. And we're talking completely fake. Completely. All right, right, let's keep going. Uh, Now, this one is probably a reaction uh, that's gone as well too far. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of these are basically trends that have gone too far. Now, I'm talking about unsprung weight. I'm talking about huge wheels and low profile tires. Oh my God, that's gotten out of control. Here in Denver, it's gotten out of control. Yeah, especially on trucks. Yeah. Oh, well, for one thing, okay, they do this crazy offset where they're pushing the wheels as far out as as possible before you know the axle snaps. There are so many things that are wrong with that. Now I know and you, you guys decapitate do- pedestrians. Well, that too. Um, it, or first run of all, over. It's, it's illegal. You're, at least here in Denver uh, or in Colorado, you can't have anything sticking out x amount of inches past the fender without having something that can block the mud from flapping on somebody else or yourself. And these guys are just like, whatever. And they're sticking out like six inches, eight inches on each side. But that's not the only problem, Roman. There's another problem. These wheels are really, really, really heavy. Yeah, unsprung weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what you're doing is you're adding all this extra weight to your axle that was built to take, let's say, 250 pounds worth of weight for rolling mass. And you've doubled or even tripled it in some of these cases. And yeah, you know what? If you actually tried to go off-road with some of these things, first of all, you'll snap. But acceleration, deceleration, everything that you do with a truck is completely messed up. Remember we tried this. towing with one of those bro trucks? Yeah, we uh, did it. We did a bro. And it wasn't even that bad compared to some of the no, it was. It was not happy towing. No. And it wasn't happy accelerating either. Yeah. It, it, just, it, just, it, just, it just ruins your performance and ruins your ride. And speaking of ruining your ride, you know, let's not just go to the bro truck side yeah. of things. Let's talk about like performance cars where you've got like a half an inch of sidewall now. Oh, my God. It's you know you're rolling on like 22s uh, and with, with absolutely no sidewall whatsoever. With no sidewall and every ant that you run over, you will feel. Yeah. Now 
Automakers are now building cars that have much more supple suspensions that can handle larger wheels because that's what the people want. What people, I think, are looking for is what you see when you go to SEMA or when you go to an auto show and you see a concept. Almost all the concepts have giant wheels, right? But see, that's the whole point of making a concept. You usually tame it down a little bit before you give it to the people. But no, 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 no. These wheel companies are now out making these things. The one point that I'd like to get across here is that very few of these wheels will actually make your car handle better in many, or, many cases. Or ride better or ride safer or right. anything. You're doing it for flash. We get it. You know, you're, you're doing it so people will look at you. Very cool. But it's just like doing the stance, you know, with, you know, massive camber issues. All those things completely ruin the performance of your car. I got to say, I like the stance. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's a whole different conversation. Yes. Let's, keep, let's keep going. This, that is a this, modern trend. This one will certainly push your buttons, Nathan. Okay, go. Because I'm talking about the push-button transmission. Jeez, I knew you were going there. <laughs> oh, man, that should be number one. I really tell you. Push. Honda, GM. <laughs> yeah, there's Honda, a, GM, like, Hyundai. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. a whole bunch of brands who are now going to push-button transmission. There, there's nothing more annoying than trying to do like a three point turn with a push button <laughs> back and i know there's like guys who own push button transmissions they've told me and emailed me and said look it's really easy once you get used to it uh, no eh, it's not not so much and then and some of them you know part of the problem is we drive a lot of different cars so it's always different but some of them you know basically it aren't just push button they're like like with the gm you have to pull down on it right it's oh yeah like, it's not as simple as simply yeah. and there's other ones where if you're going to reverse you have to pull down or parking brake or whatever they're oh man Look, I, I know this trend's not going to go away. No, it's not. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And there are a lot of reasons that they actually do this. I was told by one automaker, <coughs> Honda, um, that <laughs> one of the reasons why they're moving to push-button transmissions with some of their vehicles is because it's digital to a certain degree. And, you know, we're, we're, there's no mechanism that you're actually hitting to fire anything to make it yeah, happen. Yeah, I mean, the right? rationale is you clear up space and, and you could put you cup holders and all kinds of crap. But, the, look... I think at one point in history, this has been tried, right? This is something that's been around for a long time. Oh, my God. Plymouth Valiant from, like, the 60s exactly. had it. Exactly. Yeah, and there was a reason it never caught on. Because <laughs> people hated it. People hated it, yeah. Mechanics hated it. People hated it. And now we're, you know, trying to reinvent the shift knob. I, I know. Well, it's been, this has been going on for a long time. If you think about not just with this, but also rotary dials. Oh, God. Uh-huh. FCA has been using, and other car companies have been using, I said FCA instead of Stellantis. Yeah, I know. Rotary does. dials. Yeah. I, and that, to me, is almost as annoying. Uh, I find that having a shifter of some sort, either on the column or next to you, is easiest because you actually feel it engage, and it is the quickest way to go back and forth, especially when you're parking. So, so I, I won't tell you who, but somebody close to me who's not a car person, mm -hmm. I was driving a Ram truck with a digital, with a rotary uh, Dial, shifter, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this person, my, my co-passenger, decided to change the radio station. Oh, no way. Yeah, and almost oh, tried to throw the truck in reverse. Now, just so you know, I was told You can't that do it. You can't do it. But still, it was terrifying when I saw that <laughs> hand come <laughs> and dial. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, I, I, that, that is one of the issues. The push button, you know what happened to me with the push button thing? This was a couple years ago. I think it was on a Honda Pilot. Um, and I got in it after somebody else at a, at a drive event spilt, I believe, coffee all over everywhere and then tried to mop it up real quick and yeah. then do a good job. So the buttons were sticky. Oh, God. And it didn't stick in gear or anything like that. No way. I mean, I'm sure they, they thought about this, you know. Americans spilling coffee or sodas but every time I pushed down my finger was sticking to it and so I'd pull up and finally uh, a piece of like flake plastic came off of my finger after going back and forth a few times that's a little so a bit of an issue so the, we've kind of gone up the other way too now as you know if you watch Star Trek Chekhov right uh, the actor not the old one the new one right the, he was oh yeah the, 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 what's his name yeah uh, he, there was a horrible accident where he was in a jeep with one of these newfangled transmissions yeah that was that was uh, and, yeah and basically he, he he thought he had put it in uh, park but he hadn't and yeah. then the car uh, basically ran over him they did a massive recall with that, and right. that was a specific and, transmission. And the solution to that is, if you open your door, the car automatically puts itself into park. Now, now mm. you, you know what happens when that happens. Recently, we had a car that did this, right? Yeah. And uh, it was, a, I forget the car, but it, it had beautiful wheels. I didn't want to curb them, so I, I was backing up next to the curb. I opened the door as I was backing up to yeah. see that I was going to curb it, and the right. car just... 
slam me into park. I mean, just like, you know, and I, that was actually more, in a way, terrifying than, than because I wasn't expecting it, right? right. The car just goes, you know, you're doing like two, three miles an hour and boom, right into park. That happened to me in Moab going off-road yeah. in a uh, Stellantis vehicle, I yeah. should say. Yeah. When I opened the door because I had a ground clearance issue and I wanted to make sure I wasn't high-centered, and I was powering over this one part Slam and I opened my door and it put me in park and it freaked me out because yeah. I thought I broke Looks something. Yeah, because it, it's not, you know, you don't want to put a car in park when you're moving. No, you really don't, especially when you're going up and over an obstacle. And I really wish that there was a disconnect when you put it into its off-road mode. But that's a whole different thing. Actually, we could do a whole podcast on that type you, of stuff. You could. Yeah, right. we really could. Let's Next keep, one. Let's keep going. Yeah, this, this one is especially infuriating. Uh, and it began with uh, Tesla. Uh, and it's gotten, you know, Elon Musk recently said that all human input is error. And when you think about that, it basically means we're getting down the road to like Woody Allen Bean pod cars, right? Where we're not driving, we just well, can I, reference to Roman and his ancient age. Yeah, Woody Allen was a former actor who hasn't really done much, and he's talking about a director. movie called Sleeper. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so watch that, and then you'll understand where yeah, he's going. Anyway, you know, in that vein, Tesla has gotten rid of almost all their controls and so what i'm talking about is minimalist infotainment with no buttons mm -hmm. uh, and i've heard i've seen i was watching motor trends review of the new rivian uh and uh, it's got the same kind of steering wheel controls right right and the buttons do different things and i really hate multiple like like uh function buttons because you don't know like what function you're in right so like especially it, on the steering wheel especially on the steering wheel so you know am i going to change my rear view mirror am i going to tune up the volume am i going to move the steering wheel right that, that you know th these are things that you have to think about and be aware of and normally are very intuitive when you're driving so that you don't have to think about them while you're paying attention to not crashing or killing somebody. And when you make it so unintuitive, it becomes very dangerous, I would say. Yeah, you're suddenly making the driver even more accident prone yeah. by doing that and also making them think about what they're doing. And I, I have personal experience both on a plus and a negative. FCA, Stellantis, actually has a plus on this. Their steering wheels throughout their entire fleet are all the same. So you have volume control behind one side and you have radio, you know, station yeah, control on the yeah, other. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's all they do. And I like that because that's it. Yet other automakers have, you know, a dozen buttons on, or more on their steering wheel. And in many cases, something as simple as changing the radio station can make your cruise control go crazy. Oh, it, yeah. It, a lot of stuff like that. The, and I the, really. The flip side of that coin. Yes, exactly. So. Imagine having even more functions in an area. Now, granted, we're apes and we can't remember, <laughs> Big you know, that you have to switch five times in order to, you know, make it do one thing and swing a cat over your head to make it do something else. Things, the easiest way to go is to make something as easy as possible, right? Well, and it, having, that's the hardest thing to do, right? That's well, why but other that's people why, have managed it. Yeah, that, like, that's why, that's the magic of Apple, right? They make hard things easy. Uh, and like my biggest pet peeve, of course, is when they get rid of the tuning and volume knob. Like if I have to get in the car and I have to s spend like five minutes trying to figure out how to switch from like AM to FM to Sirius to my phone and then figure out how to do the volume. I know it's on the steering wheel, but I just naturally kind of reach over here because it's such a such an intuitive. Yeah, and they're bringing them back in some cases. Because yeah, Honda we've brought them back. Yeah, Honda is a good example because a lot of people complained. And I'm pretty happy about that, actually. I. It, Think about the fact that you have different types of people driving a vehicle and lots of rental fleets and all that. I think that it's important that people have the ability to simply change the station, simply tell the car, I don't want cruise control, or I do, and this is how far I want to go. But when you have a multifunction uh, array, that can become an issue, and I truly believe that. So uh, the next one, uh, this is a real pet peeve for me, uh, and that is a driver profile. When you get in the car and it asks you to log into the oh don't wow, you, don't yeah. you hate that? That's like, starting to that's starting to become more yeah. popular. Like it wants to know who you are, so that what it can track me, uh, it, it can figure out like what my phone is saying. It can it can you know track me for more ads on the screen of the car. I, don't give me a driver profile in the car. I, I do not want my car to be uh, a, a smart uh, internet enabled appliance that's a whole other bag of worms because if you think about all the stuff that's going on with telemetry being registered in a black box in vehicles that means that there's even more personal information that you're providing to the vehicle on top of that 
not just in case of a crash, but just for other things. Yeah, and and there are people who have security issues about that. Not just security, but just like just like convenience. I love getting in a car and using it for what it's meant to do, which is move me around. If I want the car to like you know be a concierge, then I won't get in the car. I don't want my car to be. I just want it to, to be fun and to be drivable and to be a mode of transportation. Right, and you'll say, "Well, if there's a driver profile, it'll change your seat and it'll change your." You know, yeah, I don't I, I, that. I'm not going to say that. that. I, I, but I, I can do, do that myself. Well, the, um, for years, for years, we're talking thirty years plus. They've had buttons where you push a button on the side, and it goes to one of three, four, even five saved profiles where the seat will go exactly where you want it to go. So with the steering it wheel, it works perfectly pedals, well. Easy. They work. Per- that's my point from before. You, you it's get, you simple. Get, you get number one. Your wife gets number two, or she gets number one. Whoever you want. Number one. Okay, she gets number one. You yeah. get number two. Your daughter gets number three. Yeah, that, and that, it's just that easy. Yeah. So having to go in there and register who you are is ridiculous. And. There, it won't be long before they are able to look at our eyes and go, oh, okay, hi, Nathan, come on into the you, car. You lost your cladding. That's, oh, I did, didn't I? That's there one coming up. All right, let's keep going. So the, the, this one, I think, is probably the one that is causing the most and will cause the most consternation and probably the most deaths on American Highway, and that is autonomy. I think there is so much misinformation and misconception, and a part of it has to do with actually Tesla, right? Tesla named their uh, driving assistant uh, autopilot, which it isn't. It, it, it's partial autopilot is, is what it should be called. And they named their you know level, not quite level two autonomous highway driving system uh, full self-driving, which once again, it isn't. And I think that is just confusing the you-know-what out of people. Look, there are five levels of autonomy, you know yep. this, right? And we're at level two. Level five is basically the car can drive itself without driver interaction or emergency interaction in any kind of weather. Right. So, so if that's level five, think about where we're at. We're not even at level two right now. And so what's happening is people think when they turn on autopilot or full self-driving or whatever you want to call it, that the car will drive itself. Yeah, it'll drive itself until it won't. Yeah, and then when that happens, you better be aware of what's going on in your surroundings. You know, there was a guy years ago who had a Mercedes-Benz and he tied a soda can to the steering wheel, oh, yeah. put people it in cruise that, control, yeah. and he went into the back seat yeah, and was reading the paper. People do that with Teslas all the time, yeah. Yeah, and big surprise, people who do that and mock that, they get in accidents and sometimes they die. But worst of all, those idiots also hurt other people by trying this stuff. And it's not just, you know, we drive, like I said, we drive a lot of cars, we've owned a bunch of Teslas. Look, uh, full self-driving and autopilot work really well on the highway. In fact, I think they almost work too well, right? They will lull you into a sense of security that isn't there. I'll give you an example. Uh, driving, and this happened to us a bunch, driving from here to Denver uh, in a Tesla, you can put it on full self-driving or autopilot and it'll follow the car in front of you at the given distance. Uh, it'll maintain the speed limit that you have set for it mm-hmm. uh, and it will stay within the line perfectly. Then what happens is if it's sunny and you get to this one area where there's a bridge and then there is a shadow that the bridge casts, right? So the road dips, there's a shadow, all of a sudden you will go into full-on emergency braking. It happened every time I was in autopilot, right? Yeah. All of a sudden the car thinks that, that that shadow is another car in front of you and you are into emergency braking and once there was a Subaru that was probably way too close to my butt and almost slammed into the back of the Tesla. Yeah. I'm just saying. And he it, thought he was you were brake checking him or something. Yeah, he thought I was bra- which I'm I wasn't, sure. right? Yeah. Uh, but you know, it works until it stops. One of the biggest issues. Now, first of all, there's a lot of other companies, not just Tesla, that are doing these types of things. Uh, yeah, every, everybody's doing it. General that. Motors has yeah. got and it's a really good system and I've tried it. And on the highways you can, you know, even towing a vehicle now, you can just put it into Super Cruise and kind of relax. Mm. But there are a lot of things that can happen while you're driving that the system isn't quite accounting for. That's including things that can happen inside the cabin of the vehicle as well. You know, something as simple as coughing and sneezing and hitting the steering wheel the wrong way or applying the brake at the wrong time can completely defeat the system and it could happen at the wrong time. Well, Little things like that can happen all the time. Well, the problem is that even if it works like 99.9% of the time, it's that 0.1%, right, mm. where you still need the driver paying attention. Now the driver is lulled into a sense of false security, and right. then, then the system turns itself off, uh, and then Tesla says, oh, you guys are driving a beta. Now, <laughs> this is this is just yeah, this is beta. Uh, we warned you about that. You remember when you scrolled down that long list of things that you okayed? Well, that's where you said that you were aware that this is beta, so we're not going to be held accountable for this and now you're facing you know either a criminal lawsuit or a, a civil lawsuit or both yeah uh, on page 26 paragraph 3 section 3 
you had to sign that or at least look at it. And if you didn't, tough luck. Yeah, that happens a lot. And and remember, we're not just sing- singling out Tesla. General Motors Ford now has a system that's like that. A lot of other car companies are working up to level two. Uh, but so far, I'm not seeing anybody who's really convincing me that it's completely safe. And I do like the idea of autonomy helping you drive. Sure. You know, keeping you safe. It's helped me once or twice, but... They should have called it like Tesla's little helper, like, you know, like that Simpson. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> think, I think Elon Musk's ego is too big for to call for it Tesla's little helper. helper. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'd be angry with that. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I think this one you'll agree. Uh, two words, piano black. Oh, God. <laughs> It, and it, it's still happening. It's not as bad as it used to be, though. But that, that be, for a while there, that became like the go-to cheap way of making inexpensive cars look expensive until you, by accident or on purpose, touched them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so piano black interior accents. Oh, God. Is, those, is, oh, those show fingerprints like crazy and yeah. dust and dirt and dander and anything else. Yeah. It's, it's still something that's happening with a lot of vehicles. And... You know, with a really inexpensive car, when they do that, they're they're trying to jazz it up a little bit. I get it, but nowadays you're still seeing this type of interior addition with very expensive vehicles. And for me, it's like, uh, uh-uh, no, 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 that doesn't make any sense. It's, it's gone such full circle with the piano black accent pieces now that that it screams cheap. Right? That, yeah. It was supposed to be like, this is high class, it's piano black, and now it's like, oh, you guys put the cheapest plastic and made it the blackest of blacks. You know, to, to make it seem like it's uh, luxurious and expensive, but it isn't. Right. And, you know, there was a day when, when the fake wood was something that looked kind of cool, and then it got so bad that they were putting them inside of uh, Chevy Aveos, and it's like, okay, that's not real. Well, that's kind of been taken over by the whole piano black and also fake carbon fiber. <laughs> oh. oh, God, that's your favorite. That's, uh, I know that is your... I, it's my kryptonite. That I is your, that is a rock that you will... Even real carbon fiber in a majority of the vehicles they throw it inside of, it's like, really? It's... I mean, at one point when carbon fiber was exotic, right, and cool, and it was only on Formula One cars, but now it's gotten to the point where carbon fiber, they figured out how to manufacture it. I don't think it's, you know, it's still expensive, but it's not as exotic as it used to be. It's they sell stickers, stickers yeah, that look like carbon, carbon fiber, fiber that yeah. kids are shoving on their hoods. And like, oh, dude, look at that. I'm lighter than you. No, you're not. It's ridiculous. And I really hate both of them, the piano black and the carbon fiber. You know, just give us some good looking plastics that match the interior. I'm, I'd be happy. All right. The next two are also pioneered by Tesla. Tesla's doing a lot of this. Uh, one is actually really good, uh, mm-hmm. but it's not so well executed by other car manufacturers. And one is really bad. You want the good one or the bad one first? Uh, give me the bad one first. Uh, sunroofs without sunshades. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, but it's catching on. I wish they wouldn't do that. And apparently, like, uh, when Tesla first built their car, the inside story goes that they wanted to put a sunshade on it, and Mr. Musk said, no, no sunshade. No sunshade for you. (laughs) And now we all cook in the summer. Yeah, it's just, I want my clients to boil as they worship me. (laughs) I I, I suppose there's a reason behind that. I don't know. It's It's very open and airy, I guess. uh, Yeah, but, I mean, having a retractable... Yeah, it adds heat. Having a retractable sunshade of some sort, I think, is a benefit. And so it's a huge, I think it's just silly that they don't do it. And you're exactly right. It does add heat, which means you're going to use more energy cooling the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't get it. But the good one that Tesla pioneered and is doing really well in Teslas, but nobody else seems to be able to copy it, are uh, car phone apps, right? So Tesla has this incredible phone app that basically uh, does everything that it says it will do. You can schedule your appointments if you need service. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can uh, use it to up... Uh, grade your car when there's a new uh, uh, software update. Yeah, over over air over software over their update software. You can use it to get points like bonus points, so you can earn Tesla bucks or whatever the hell that is. Yeah, uh, you can uh, find out where your car is located. Right, you can actually go into your car and turn on the heater or turn off the heater, turn on charging, schedule charging, and it, it's just really easily. Uh, and it all works. And then every other car manufacturer, in my my personal opinion, has copied that. Has done like like it's like a copy of a copy. It just it, it's very frustrating. And uh, it's like, the, hey, we've got this great app, and you can honk your horn remotely. I'm like, yeah, do I really want to honk my horn remotely? Well, if you lost your car in a parking lot, I suppose that would be something makes sense. Uh, but you, I, it, it just it just isn't. It's like it's like it's like like I say, like a copy of a copy. Like they haven't worked out the software to the extent where it's intuitive and easy to use, and it's stuff you want to do versus like stuff that you can do, but who would ever do? 
You know, uh, the, I'd say the past three years, it's really hit hard with a lot of uh, oh, yeah. uh, manufacturers. Yeah. And one of the things a lot of them are doing is when we go to these events, they're, they're trying to pawn that on us. They make saying, it, hey, they make you guys really need yeah. to talk about this. It can make the, you know, turn on the headlights and turn on the heater. By the way, uh, even though Tesla is on top of it, Nissan was really early in the game with doing that as well with their Leaf, the mm. first generation Leaf. Early on, apps allowed you with your phone, as long as you had a higher trim level, which I don't have, <laughs> to have the car, you know, stop charging at a certain time, start charging at a certain time. Also, you could turn on the heater or the air conditioner while it sat getting ready for you, so that way it was pre-cooled before you even unplugged it. That was a Nissan first, and Tesla, around the same time, started building their app. So just, you know, all points being fair, I think that Nissan deserves a little bit of recognition. However, so I, some I, of these other apps so, kind of suck. So we sold our Tesla, and I, I was using the Tesla app quite a bit, and I've got my mini app right here, uh, which oh, is the, mini a, the new mini SE, the electric mini app. Uh, and so it's got vehicle finder, remote history. Uh, it's got uh, charging sessions. It's got uh, total charge. You can honk your horn. You can turn on the fan. You can unlock and lock the car. Yeah. Uh, you can check the status of it. Let's check status. Um, locked. Well, it tells you it's locked. That's basically that's what it tells you. It. Well, it's not plugged in right now, so yeah. I think the status would be kind of cool if you were able to, you know, if it told you exactly what's going on and when it's full, it maybe sent a warning to you. And it's got the Mini Motors Guide, which is, I take it, the owner's guide. Probably. Um, yeah, and you can schedule a service. You can find a dealer. Um, it's, it's a decent little app. Yeah, I, I've never used it, though. The Tesla app that I use all the time, this one I've never used. Uh, and maybe it's just me. Maybe there's more to it than, uh, uh, than you know, I need to use, but I've never used it. All right, should we keep going? Yes, we should. By the way, does that uh, thing for the Mini have a Lucas setup, you know, negative ground? <laughs> I think Lucas is gone. Okay. Now you're dating yourself. If they were, you know. all, all right, right. next. All right. Um, how about this one? Um, useless, and I mean useless, drive modes. <laughs> <laughs> so some drive modes work, oh. like like the off-road stuff is mm. actually like uh, you know terrain it depends on the vehicle. Depends, like a Land Rover, even the the Ford Bronco, their terrain management actually does work. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of vehicles out there where it doesn't do squat. It just makes you feel like you've changed from regular mode to sport mode. Yeah, well, sport modes are especially notorious for not really doing much. There are certain vehicles out there. And I really don't want to start you know pointing too many fingers, but I'll, here on the good side. Yeah. Ford's um, off-road mode, their goat mode, all that stuff works really well. Um, even in reverse, by the way, uh, which is something that was kind of cool to find out. Toyota actually has a really good one, too. Um, however, there are car companies out there, several, that give you a sport mode. And that's including in base model entry-level vehicles. So you hit sport mode, and you know what often happens? Nothing. What that button will do sometimes is tighten up the steering a little bit, according to them, which sometimes it doesn't. Or if it has a CVT, <laughs> they say it makes it more responsive. I honestly don't know how you make a CVT more responsive. So the bottom line is that a majority of car companies that have entry-level cars with sport mode, it's not any sportier when you hit the button. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and some of the stuff that it does do, like make the steering heavier, unless you're mm. on the autobahn, it does. You know, <laughs> it's really it's it's not that noticeable. It's not that. Or or the other thing it does, which is common, is it raises the RPMs, right? And then it makes the car very nervous and very jittery, and you're like always in the wrong RPM. Well, it sh it, it it can change with an automatic transmission. It can change the shift pattern. Right. But I'm saying, I'm saying normally, let's say you're going down the highway and the thing would be like loping along at 2,000 RPM. You uh, put it, and this is a normal automatic transmission. You put it in sport mode and all of a sudden you're in 5,000 RPM mm -hmm, as if yeah. you're on the track. And I'm like, come on, guys, you know, really? It, Does that, just because, you know, now the thing is in a higher RPM doesn't make it more sporty. It just makes it, you know, use more gas and makes the car more undrivable. Yeah, it, well, it depends on the environment. I mean, it, there are some cars out there, uh, even with automatic and dual clutch transmissions, where the, it, it can change the algorithm and you can actually go through the canyon and go a lot faster, you know, having to maintain high revs. But there are an awful lot of vehicles out there where it really doesn't do any of that. And honestly, other than maybe, put, and also by the way, eco modes. You know what a lot of eco modes do? They'll, they'll shut down the air conditioner or, or slow it down 
or sometimes, sometimes they'll just sap energy from the car and change the shift pattern so when you accelerate, it takes longer to get into yeah, gear. Yeah, it changes the, the throttle mapping, basically. Yeah. So instead of having more direct throttle, you know, and you could do that if you wanted to go eco with your foot. You don't need You a, could do it with your foot yeah. as opposed to hitting a button. And, yeah. and, and there's so many cars that are, you know, really, really bad with that. So, yeah, I, I agree. And that's something that's been around for a little while, and I kind of hope and it goes And for the most part, it hasn't gotten better. No. I mean, maybe if you're in a Lamborghini and you go from, like, Corsa to Sport, right, where you're on track, and, and then, then it turns off, like, all the driver aids, then it becomes terrifying. Corsa was, yeah. That was the mode that I left the uh, when we had the um, Urus. Um, yeah, you left I, it in Corsa? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I gotta admit, you know, when you that thing was just crazy, and it felt really. That one changed the entire feeling of the vehicle. However, we are talking about a two hundred thousand dollar plus vehicle, whereas in a twenty five thousand dollar vehicle, it doesn't quite give you, you know, the sense of speed when you hit sport. All right, uh, next one is behind you. It's uh, it's actually more than uh, body cladding. It's basically this whole recent trend of making cars look off-road worthy without actually making them more off-road worthy. It's a very popular thing that's happening right now. It's cladding has been around for a long time. Yeah, I can. If you really want to look at where cladding hit its peak, that was back around two thousand one when the was the first generation Chevrolet uh, Avalanche, and also your favorite, the first generation. Pontiac Aztec. That was cladding. <laughs> that was done. Yeah, the first, yeah, the first oh, year of the of the yeah. Of the yeah, they there are some guys who had a rough night before they designed what was, those what, things. What was the European one? The Cactus. Remember that had. Oh yeah, that was was that a, a Citroen? I don't I know. Think it, was it, was like that. it was a French car for sure. Yeah, yeah. and they the cladding all over it. Now the, the whole purpose of cladding, it, it, in terms of off road vehicles, is so you can absorb the impact from something like a branch or something, and it won't ripple your steel. It won't bend a fender. It's there to take a hit. Now, a lot of the cladding, including on the Subaru, um, whatchamacallit that we have, the Crosstrek, honestly, if that got a good whack, it doesn't matter. It's still Your, your paint's going to get hit, too. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's become like... You know, anytime something feels like it's a poser, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, like it's like it's like instead of actually going to the gym and getting buff, you put on a bodysuit to look <laughs> buff, right? You may look buff, but you're still not buff. Yeah, you're still a weakling. Yeah, that, I hate that, right? And and I think we both agree. Like you know, when Toyota puts on the fake hood scoop, right, suggesting that there oh, might be a supercharger God. underneath the hood, but there isn't. It's just it's just a styling thing to make it look. Cooler, I guess. I think Toyota's getting away from that, by the way. Thank God, finally. But there are a lot of other car companies that do that as well. Now, an example of that is behind me. If you look at this Subaru WRX, yes, the hood scoop is absolutely real. But these side little things over the fenders, which a lot of people are not happy with, I don't really understand the purpose of them. Now, Subaru says that there's aerodynamic little uh, cutouts in them. Right. However, you could do that with steel as well, and other people have in the past. Or you can make it not look like that. So there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, let's add some plastic to the outside, put it in some strategic places to make it look like it can go off-road, when in reality it can't. And I think that that's really the bottom line when it comes to cladding. Yeah, I mean, like, like I think a, a, a really good poster child for that is the latest Mini GP, the latest generation, right? They put this massive spoiler on the back of it yeah. with, like, with, like, arrow slits like they used to have on the, on the, uh, uh, Mitsubishi uh, Evos, right? Those little, like, shark teeth. Oh, right? yeah, that go across yeah, the back. Yeah, yeah, they put these massive, massive arrow aids on it, mm-hmm. except it provides exactly zero downforce. Yeah. There's no, there's no, I mean, in fact, slows down the car. It's just there because it looks cool. Whenever I see a spoiler, a giant one on a front wheel drive car, yeah, exactly. I, I just constantly just tilt my head and go, well, yeah, it might not make you any faster. This car actually is quite interesting because this is an example of sort of a mix of both. It doesn't have a giant spoiler on it, which is nice. Um, it does have a big scoop, which is functional, which is nice. It's the plastic cladding that just seems un. It seems, like, it's, it seems like a design language thing that people loved in the Outback and the Crosstrek, and now for some reason they yeah, did Yeah, it. it's like they wanted a little bit of Crosstrek yeah. in yeah, this know, car, it's and it's just like, why not make it unique? So, you know, it's, I'm curious what you guys think about cladding. I find that almost every crossover that's built right now has some cladding that is completely useless, that just doesn't really provide a function. Now, this one is not really a pet peeve. It's, I mean, it's going to have to happen, but no USB, only USC. 
Oh, it's the USB, a, it's, it's going to be around for, there's so many devices. That know, it's just a pain in the butt because you're like, hey, I need to charge my phone. But I'm like, oh, God, it's a USC and you don't yeah, have one. Yeah, I wish they had both. Uh, and Some they kept do. both. Some do. Like, Some do. A, a lot of them have both. I think that's a great solution. But like, think uh, uh, like uh, Volkswagen, I think, has gone in their recent models only to USC. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's a bad idea. I think they need to have both, at least in one spot. Uh, and then let's keep going. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, let's see if you know what I'm going with here. Electric. Electric crossovers. What do I mean by that? So electric. I'm talking about electric cars, but yeah. why is every electric car? Oh, why can't they make a convertible so or a sports for, car or you know? The Ford Mustang Mach E is a good example. E- everything. The, yeah. Every every car coming down the pike is a crossover or a pickup <laughs> or a pickup. Yeah, yeah, those two. Yeah. Well, because right now crossovers are the hottest selling things that aren't pickups in the United States. Yeah, but I hear the executives. Hey, we're looking for white space. We want to be someplace where no one else is. And oh, then, that's, oh that's yeah, well, we're going to build another electric crossover. No, no, no. Yeah. Crossovers are very simple, Roman. Think about it this way, especially your age with your osteo. So when you go from your walker into a car, it's very comfortable. I don't. I'm very tall. I don't. I don't have to work very hard to get out of a seat. Now Thank you. you. Now Thank you're you. starting to see this. So you step into a crossover, and there's not a lot of drop or not a lot of lift to get in for the average human being. So. Physically, a lot of room getting, from my walker. Yeah, from your walker. Yeah, to, sure. When you go <laughs> and a wheelchair that's coming soon. You, you understand that Roman's going to get revenge later on, guys. So I'm in trouble. The point is, is that when you get out of whatever hey, you're getting out of, or you walk, I, I, I make you do car, the keeps ad. So <laughs> I, know, I don't do the keeps. Yeah, was, that's for sure. You get into a car, you're more comfortable getting into a crossover than you are getting into a small sedan or even a big sedan for that matter. So the the seat height. And the door size really matters to a lot of people. It's just so much easier. So you're wondering why everybody's going crossover? Because I'm it's so, that much easier to build. I am so bored of electric crossovers. Yeah, I, I, so I agree. bored. And Cadillac, some car new can, electric crossover. Yeah, Nissan, new electric crossover. Yeah. Hyundai, new electric crossover. Every brand, electric crossover. Once again, they're selling a lot of crossovers. It just makes sense that they do that. Now, your, your Tesla company is a good example of one that also does both. They have two crossovers and they have two sedans right now, and eventually a sports car and a truck, uh, and a truck eventually. I, I got to tell you that uh, you know that uh, I don't want to. This is not a take and dump on Tesla day, but I do feel sorry for all those owners who put down a quarter million dollars to be the first to have the Roadster. Oh, that Roadster. Yeah, yes. that was like that was like I want to say that was like now three years ago, yeah. and every year Tesla keeps pushing that back. Imagine if you had given Tesla a quarter million dollars to hold your place for that first. Well, it's not the first time this has happened with the company. First edition. Yeah. And, Whoa. That's know, a, dude, that, that is like out of that is that is mind-bogglingly like out of my realm of thinking. Yeah. Well, fortunately, they're building a brand new place in Texas, and hopefully, they'll be able to make production happen faster. Hence, there's no timeline for the for that roadster. Yeah, I know. But but the pickup supposedly next but, year. But that's a hundred dollars. It's a yeah. and it was refundable. But that quarter million for the roadster. Yeah. Well, all, right, all right, let's keep going. Um, I, this is a one that we use a lot, uh, and it really bugs me. Uh, cars without any recovery points. And it doesn't have to be an off-road or just any car. Mm-hmm. I was, I'll give you an example. So we had this uh, Raptor, right, and it had this winch. Yeah. That we didn't use much. Let's face it, we, don't, we didn't use that winch much. We no, bought I, it because we needed it, and then when we... You know, we got a bunch of vehicles stuck, and then we got the winch, and then we never got anything stuck again. Yeah, I think we pretty much used so, it once. So I'm driving up and over Loveland Pass in this Raptor, right? It was a blue one, right? Yep. First gen. And uh, there's a, a small Nissan that has now wedged itself completely into a snowbank. Mm-hmm. And there's four people up on the top of Loveland Pass in the middle of winter where it's like 25 degrees below zero, freezing their asses off, trying to free up the... Uh, and it turned out it was a Mexican Nissan, so I don't know what model it was, but it was they were from Mexico. Mm, they was it a really from, small one? It was a really small. Maybe one. it was the micro. It wasn't a micro. It wasn't no. that small. It was. It was like a like Versa sized. Okay. Okay. It was a sedan, uh, and so I'm like, hey, I could be the hero. <laughs> I've got a winch. I got a winch. I'm gonna pull you out. I got, I got. I got a winch, right? So I walk up to it, and I'm like, hey, I can help you guys. And they're like, great. We really appreciate it. We're freezing our balls off, you know. And I'm like, mm. no problem. There was no place I could safely attach that to. So they didn't have the screw inlet. They didn't have the screw inlet. They didn't. You, you can't put it around a suspension member because you're more likely to yank out the suspension I've, member. I've seen videos on YouTube of people getting Ma- their maybe like like that out. dude who does recovery thing in St. George. He could have figured it out, but I could not figure out a safe place to winch about with because, without endangering their, you know their car. And I wasn't about to like you know pull out a suspension member by trying to hook it up to the rear, uh, I don't know axle or something. Right. I have a good story about that real quick. Uh, years and years and years ago, second generation, third generation, sorry, uh, GTI yeah. was stuck in a in sand 
in um, Central California. It's Pismo Beach. I'm sure a lot of you guys know you can go out there. For some ungodly reason, this idiot tried to drive it in the sand. And he went, he sunk so down, far down that you couldn't get to the screw point. So in other words, there's a large screw bolt, an eye bolt that you can screw into the bumper. But that's not recovery, right? You know, that's for the roll-on, roll-off boats, right? So then right. those are, so you can hold the car on the boat when they're transporting them from like, you know, Germany. But it's or the only recovery you point. Can, you can use it, but. It's not structurally. It could come flying out. Yeah, it can. Well, anyway, it was too low. I couldn't get to that. Yeah. And so a bunch of buddies with me took two different vehicles and we wrapped uh, some rope around the rear suspension member. And for lack of a better word, we stretched the car. Um, it, it was longer by the time we pulled it out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, look, I didn't know how, if this thing was like a cork in a bottle in that snow drift yeah. or if it was just going to pop out. Did you ever get them out? No. I, you know, I, what I did was uh, uh, I saw that there was a uh, snow plow who had mm. a – there's no – you can't use your phone up on Love and Pass. Yeah, no, no. So no. I saw there, – there, if, you, if you go down just a little bit, there's a little – you know, you go over the top as if you're going down a keystone, mm-hmm. and then you go around this big turn, and then that's where they keep the sand, and that's where they keep the snow plows. That's right, yeah. So I, I drove back down, and I told the guys, I said, hey, guys, there's a guy stuck up there, mm-hmm. and they had a radio, and they radioed for a tow truck. So You didn't use your mini app? I didn't God. use the mini app, no. Seriously. All right, let's keep going. Uh, how about this one? What do you think of this one? And we've done plenty of testing with this, so we have experience. Mm-hmm. Natural voice recognition. Uh, you know, I still think it doesn't work. It works a little. I'll tell you what, what what works in almost every car. Now, the first thing I do when I get into a car and I know I'm going to drive it a for volume more, <laughs> if I'm going to drive it for more than 24 hours, yeah. is I say after I push the button, pair of phone. And I would say 80% of the vehicles know that they should bring me to a menu that'll allow me to pair my phone. And in some cases, they'll even say, okay, what phone? You know, and they'll give me instructions. But then 20% of those vehicles don't even recognize that. Sorry, say again. Sorry, you have two phones. No, paraphone, not paraphones. A paraphones. And that's just something, a very simple standard request, yeah. right? Other things, navigation, I mean, we've tried several times, and some of them get it right, but many get it wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's why you know people are putting Alexas into their cars because... Yeah, yeah, it's better to do it that, works, or, or yeah. even Google. Google works great in my house. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, uh, I've given up on it after <laughs> ten years. I, I just I, I, every time we go and they're like, "Hey, we've uh, re-engineered our new natural voice uh, recognition system, so you can just talk naturally." And you know, and the first time I tried it, the things like, "Sorry, <laughs> can well, you repeat?" It's, it's such a load of crap. Uh, let me put it. Let me let me explain. I, I have some friends who were born out of the country, and so they have an accent. Some heavy, some not so heavy. Many of those systems do not recognize oh, really? an accent. For sure. um, and others, you know, if you have speech impediment or if you have heavy whiskers on your face, anything, it seems like some of these systems absolutely do not want to recognize what you're saying. And the worst part is when they give you the wrong selection. How infuriating is that? When you're asking, okay, navigation to, you know, this book, store. I know they barely exist now. And it says something to the effect <laughs> of Taco what's a, Bell? What's a bookstore, Nathan? <laughs> oh I, I, I seem to recall video rental stores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, Fahrenheit 451 for you. Um, so when you say that and it completely comes up with the wrong thing, it drives me crazy and I get really angry. And then I say cancel and it says something to the effect sometimes of, do you want to go home? I was like, no, I'm trying to cancel, cancel you, you cancel. And then I'm yelling at it. Yeah. And exactly. Then, or when you hit the button by accident. Oh, my God. On the steering wheel when yeah, you hit the voice button. And, you know, in your middle of a great song, you're rocking out. And all of a sudden, then, how may I help you? How may I help you? Voice command. What? Yeah. I, I don't like that one at all. All right. Th- this is an interesting one. Uh, and maybe because we get access to vehicles that are early and that most people haven't driven yet, you may feel like we're wrong about this one. But just you wait. Uh Giant screens, Nathan. They're coming. I mean, oh. giant, like the like the one in the new Mercedes EQS, where it's the entire length of the vehicle. Uh, it is. It's, it yeah. goes across. I think it's it, all the way across. Cadillac's doing yeah. something very similar. Yeah. And yeah. there's a bunch of, even the regular, the, the current vehicles that we have driven with big screens, I've complained about. I know you, and especially our, the kids that work for us, are like, oh, dude, it's, it's a 20-inch. I mean, no, here's, here's my problem. I mean, Tesla's it. pretty much like, you know, a giant screen TV with nothing else. Yeah, and <laughs> Tesla's a really good example of that. Uh, one of the Teslas I was driving, it was actually reflecting off the front windshield when I was driving it at night. And that was a major issue for me. And I, I like a bright screen because I'm getting old. My eyes are tired. Other vehicles, including the Ram with the big screen, I look at that and then I see the smaller screen that's available. I just prefer the smaller screen. It doesn't reflect as much. It doesn't draw my eye to it. All that stuff. 
All right. Uh, you'll see. You'll see. Just you'll see. The screens see, are coming. And wait and see, especially if you're one of these people who hates finger uh, prints. Oh. oh, my God. You're going to be hating life with these. And there's screens. nothing they can do to completely mitigate yeah. fingerprints. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about this one? This is an interesting one. Uh, hidden wireless phone charging. As if they forgot that there are also passengers in the vehicle. Oh, it gets worse, Roman. The second level of that is... Phone char- uh, wireless phone chargers that can't charge your phone because they're too small. Oh yeah, because they don't have enough power. But I hate the hidden ones. Like there's so many manufacturers that like, like, uh, like Porsche does it. They hide their wireless charger in the center armrest, mm-hmm. as if you're the only one driving that car who wants to use your phone. Right? Mm-hmm. There's also a passenger who may want to charge their phone, or you know, see what's happening on their phone while it's being charged. And other charge, what I I call them charging dishes, because it's basically what it is. It has to be a dish in order to hold your phone in place so it can effectively charge your phone wirelessly. Well, some of them are too small. If you have a phone case and you put it in there and you're not touching it the right way, so much for charging your phone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the wire always works, but... Guys, yeah, I mean, I mean, ideally, if this is your phone, you probably want to have the phone like this. So if you get a text or if you're doing navigation. Let's say oh, yeah, using, but they're all flat now. Yeah, let's say, yeah, exactly. Let's say you're using it for navigation, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, a valid use for it, and it's hidden. What, what's the point of that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's silly. Okay, uh, this is an interesting one, Nathan, and uh, we're almost out of the end. I want to find out whether you think this is uh, an important feature or not. And it's something that Porsche has had for a very long time. So has oh. Volkswagen. What am I talking about? Uh, the DSG? Frunk. Oh, the frunk. Yeah, the frunk is becoming like the like the go-to status symbol of how well-engineered an electric car is. Because a lot of journalists uh, are all up in arms, for instance, that the new Volkswagen ID4 doesn't have a frunk. Hmm. Uh, or the new Cadillac, I think it's a Lyric, right? The new electric Cadillac, no frunk. Yeah, I, 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 I know where you're going with this. Um, is, is the frunk... Is it that useful and that important? Like, like, think about the new F-150 Lightning, right? That's yeah. got a massive frunk. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, and that'll swallow both of us. Yeah, that is built for utility. I think that what a lot of people want is that same type of utility on smaller vehicles. And there gets a point, there, there got, comes to a point where you have to pack the, the stuff somewhere. It's got to go. So they, the thing about electric cars with me is that you don't have to worry about large transmission tunnels or any of that other stuff. So you have more cargo to begin with. That um, Kia EV that you went and saw, that thing had a ton of space. Yeah, the Ionic 5. Yeah, yeah. but it didn't have, I mean, its footprint wasn't that much bigger than, you know, a mid-sized car. Yeah. But it had way more space. I think that the frunk is sort of something that people are getting into because it's kind of cool. You're right, it's status. But on some vehicles, they simply cannot put it on there because they have to put their components somewhere. I think now, that's why. Now, these are kind of electric-specific ones because that's where a lot of the innovation is happening. Uh-huh. Uh, the next one I was watching, so <laughs> it's hilarious. I was fine. Ed- Edmunds apparently rented a Tesla Model S Plaid for $4,000. Wow, okay. Uh, and then they did a review of it uh, mm. and absolutely hated the driving yoke. The, like the airplane. I haven't tried that yet. I haven't tried it either. They were trying to do like performance driving around a track. And the word is that like when Motor Trend got their plaid, uh, Andy Probst, is that his name? The race car driver they mm-hmm. use? Yeah. Uh, in order to set the record for an electric car around Laguna Seca, he made him take off the yoke and put on a regular steering wheel. Yeah, that's. I, I heard that rumor too. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure. I think actually that's not a rumor. I think that's absolutely true. I think I've had that verified by people at Motor Trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... This trend is a little terrifying because, you know, it's kind of taking the the ultimate, like, thing that, that works exceptionally well in a car, which is a steering wheel. Yeah. And for no good reason than to just say you can do it so that you can tweet it or Instagram it or, you know, YouTube it, putting on something that is absolutely asinine. I'm sorry. I was watching uh, the Edmunds video, and it looked horrendous trying to steer that car, trying to do hand over hand. Oh, yeah. So I not only that, but then also the buttons. Like for instance, so, so the Tesla Model S Plaid uh, has the turn signal. Doesn't have a turn signal indicator. I'm not even going to talk about that. It's got buttons on the steering wheel. Right. Right. So if the yoke is facing forward, right, the little button on the left makes sh- sure that your turn signal signals left, and the Correct. one that go- goes right. But when you do a turn, those two buttons become reversed. So your left right. button becomes your right button, and your right turn signal button becomes. So you your have left. to reverse it in your head. And yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And they don't do it automatically, and it's 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 useless. Well. I have two words for you, yeah. and the reason why Elon Musk wanted this. Two words. What? Knight Rider. 
Do you remember in the 80s there was a show with the Pontiac Firebird where uh, uh, David Hasselhoff drove around. He was in a high-tech car with a red eye that went back and forth. Well, I was a kid when that came out. And back then, he had a yoke. And I thought, wow, that's got to be futuristic and high-tech. And Elon Musk, isn't. I think he's around my age. And he probably looked at that and says, that is what we need, folks. We need something that Michael Knight used. That's the name of the character. And I want to use it, too. I almost guarantee you that he's thinking along those well, lines. Well, the, the rationale that I've heard for the yolk is that eventually, and remember, this is the, this is the man who said at the latest Battery Day, all human input is error. Mm-hmm. This, this is Mr. Musk. How many divorces that, did he go through? A par- in a car, which is terrifying oh, okay. to me because that to me says that I won't be driving Teslas, but they'll be driving me. But anyway, uh, it's eventually so that you can retract the yoke mm-hmm. and have the car drive itself. Right? right. And I don't know why you couldn't retract the steering wheel. Maybe a yoke is easier to retract. I don't know. But that that's doesn't the make any sense to yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, there, there are a lot of concept cars that are out there that have yokes yeah, but or square yeah, steering wheels, yeah, you of know, course. that type of thing. And we get that, but at the end of the day, when you're looking at your average driver getting into a car, what is their comfort level? Well, maybe something that was invented well over 100 years ago that has been working for, well, well over 100 years. Look, 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 let's face it. Formula One cars have yokes, right? Yeah. But that's because they're not making, like, two-point turns or, you know, pulling into the Starbucks, right? No. They, they, there's just, their steering is so tight, right? They only have a couple degrees of turn. Yeah, to, to a full hairpin turn, they turn about 30 degrees on the yoke to make that happen. And that's because it's got a hyper-large gear that goes to the front wheels. In other words, every half turn you're doing turns the wheels a lot. Well, you can't do that in a day-to-day driver because that doesn't work for day-to-day driving. Can you imagine that, having that much sensitivity? I think it's the opposite way. What happens in a race car is when you're going 200 miles an hour, even a little bit of a turn, if it would turn the wheel a lot, you'd be going off the racetrack. So so I think what happens is it's just a little turn, a little bit of wheel movement. A little bit of wheel movement at high speeds, but at low speeds, you don't have to turn it it very much. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay, anyway. But it's been that anyway, way for a long anyway, time. Anyway, we're, we're, you know, we're probably going into a depth that we're out of here, so let us know in the comments yeah, you know, what that, you think we would appreciate. But the point is, is that Formula One steering belongs in Formula One, one cars, cars. Not on cars, not on like the Starbucks car. Yeah, uh, especially, you know, once again, Michael Knight, yeah, that was fictional. So, sorry, Elon, that that, that was a TV show, for, I think, Universal Mates. All right, I, I've got one more here, and we tried to do a video on this to disprove it, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something that it's going to get out there. It's, it's in popular... Uh, myth right now. And to be fair, uh, it actually started and it worked. So once upon a time, your Nissan Leaf is powered by a Chatamo connection. Yeah, it's got two. It's got the Chatamo and it's got the other one. Right, so CCS. Yeah. So Chatamo started as one of the first uh, Asian, it started in Japan, I believe, ways to charge a Leaf. And it actually... Fast charging. Yeah, fast charging. It enables charging to go both ways. Mm -hmm. So in Japan, you can actually use a Chatamo connector to power your house. Yep. Right, it's it's. But here in America, you cannot use an electric car, truck, whatever you want to power your house. You can use it to power objects in your house, refrigerators, mm, lights. Microwaves, but you, there's, but there is no way to be able to tap into the house and into the electric grid at this point without having a lot of very expensive. Uh, electrical work done to your house or having like a Tesla power wall installed in your house uh, mm-hmm. and then allowing the car because, because once you tap into the house you're tapping into the grid and electricity like water runs both ways right you can't it's it just like hey you can't like just plug into the house and hey now I'm gonna power the house not unless you get a lot of upgrades in order to make it happen but for instance my house which is built back in 53 oh God, yeah, my house is ancient yeah. if I were to try to, to, to take my my daughter's Nissan Leaf, which has a 30 kilowatt hour battery, I probably could power, let's say, the refrigerator, microwave, and a few other things. But if I tried to plug it into my ancient board, it'll fry everything and possibly have the house burned down, which actually might be tempting because of insurance. <laughs> now, the, the, I, but you, Mr. you're Mr. right. And Mr. Allen, what did you do? I, I plugged my I Leaf. I plugged in. my car in. I don't know. I was just, we had a blackout. Uh-huh. In, in Colorado, we do have a lot of blackouts, by the way. Not like California, but we do yeah, have we, we have strong winds. Strong winds and snowstorms sometimes yeah. do it. Um, Roman recently did a video with uh, Andre's pickup truck. Yeah, which, where we actually had a guy who had a house who could be powered off of a generator. Right. There was a lot of work that went into that. Yeah. And we thought maybe we could tr- plug Andre's truck into the house. <laughs> and no, yeah, it, it, the truck would not power the house. Yeah. And that, I, I think that's a real shame because they market that. 
And in the future, a lot of electric cars have the ability. Yeah, the, the Ionic 5 is going to have, you know what they have? They've got this little like dongle. God, now we're getting dongles for cars. It's a Nathan. dongle, okay. I know. It is a dongle. It's it, a dongle. It's this big, fat dongle. It looks like, you know, like a quarter of an elephant's trunk. And you plug it into the car, and then you get 215 volt outlets. Mm -hmm. Now, when you do that, the cool thing is that car also has car to car charging. So, and I read about it because of your thing, and that means if somebody runs out of juice on the street and you have, let's say, a nearly full battery and you want to help them out, you can plug in and give them up to X amount of juice and get them going. Bear in mind that there are certain vehicles that you can do that with and some I believe you cannot do that with. So, you know, for a while the AAA actually, and I think they walked away from this, uh, if I recall, they tried to have uh, electric, like truck, chargers on board so if an electric car ran out of power you could actually give it a go and plug it in yeah, yeah there, they, they, it didn't work they walked away from it there's a couple companies out there actually right now that are doing these modular uh blocks which can be charged and you can take them with you and use that to plug into other vehicles but they're pretty big and heavy and you know in the future just like you had gas cans you'll probably have uh, electric cans that go out there and you could plug it in and juice up I, uh, I'm not 100% sure how good that's going to be. I don't want to, you know, berate these guys before they have a chance to make it happen, but I'm curious to see how that will actually work in the future when lots of people are driving electric vehicles. So let's wrap this up. Yes. The, the, the one, the one that, if you, were to, if you were to ask me, the one that drives me the most crazy, and I'm hoping to put a stop to it, kill it dead in its tracks, are the uh, fake exhaust. And with that, of course, the other one I, I failed to mention, our fake exhaust note. That's oh, another, that's another, that's you mean another. augmented exhaust. Oh, yeah. You know, at one point in time, like, you know, if a car sounded cool, it sounded cool. And then BMW said, you know, our cars are very quiet, which they were, right? You want mm -hmm. a quiet car. And so what we'll do is we'll create like a little tube that will funnel the natural engine note into the cabin. That's cool, right? You put so much because sound Because it's still the engine yeah, note. Yeah, and so there was actually a physical tube that would mm -hmm. bring the engine note and make the sound car make the car sound cool so that you could hear it while you were driving it and then of course they all went completely off the reservation when they decided to just start faking the engine noise through the Some speakers yeah through the speakers through the speakers yeah that, man yeah. and yeah. it's not just cars it's trucks as well now there's a reason why uh, exhaust companies that build you know in Portland and all those ones why they're billion dollar businesses and that's because a lot of people just like come on I just want a real sound a meaty sound there are other people, however, who actually like this. They actually like having a quiet yeah, car I mean, that they can tune in I, I mean, you could almost justify it in like a car like the i8, right? So the i8 was this very expensive BMW mm -hmm. hybrid that used uh, a battery and a little three-cylinder turbo out of a Mini. Yeah. Which isn't going to sound great. No, it didn't sound great at all from the outside, but it actually ran really good. It was yeah, quick. Yeah, but but now you're buying a $120,000 car and you mm. want to have that exhaust note, so let's fake it inside. But yeah. but come on, guys, you're BMW. You're better than that. Yeah, you guys can actually come up with a real exhaust note somehow and also make the car more powerful. But that's the, that car's done. So the, the future really is coming down to people I think faking our, it. I think our Bronco has fake exhaust note. Through the I, I'm pretty sure you're yeah. right. I think it, a lot of Fords augment the exhaust note through yeah. the speakers. And you can't turn it off. There's like, at least, you know, give me the option. I mean, then then it would be cool, right? You're going you're gonna to bury screens within screens. Why don't you have one of those screens be like, hey, you want your car to sound like a V8, a 12 cylinder, a straight six? You know, that would be cool. I still think that they need to have like a variety on electric cars. So that no, would be cool driving, too. Yeah, you, you could just push a button. You got Formula One. You push another button. WRC. Yeah, a flathead V8. Whatever you know, and, and that would be awesome. <laughs> but it's not happening yet. What's the What's the old um, Ford V8? What was that called? Like was, the, a flathead. The, was that a flathead? Yeah. Uh, so there's a guy, um, Craig Cole, who works for Zenit right oh, now. Oh, Craig's on my buddy. He's yeah, great. he's got an old flathead that's like straight pipe. It sounds so good, Nathan. Yeah, so it's good. that retro sound that that one produces. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I so, know exactly what you're so talking about. It wouldn't about. be that hard to come up with these sounds and actually fake them in a really good kind of way. Yeah, record them and then have them go along with the speed of the vehicle and match it. I'm sure you could do that with some sort of uh, you know software. But or, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, or you know, you really want to blow people's minds or f with people's minds. Do that same thing with a speaker on an electric car. <laughs> well, that's now you're outside that, though, not inside. Outside, outside. as well. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, a big old you know, Bose speaker or something like that. And so you pass by, 
They know that you're driving, you know, the newest electric you, cheap car, and all of a sudden, meow, just like a Formula One car. Yeah, do you remember awesome. those old Honda Formula One cars? Oh my God! Imagine oh, if it sounded they sound like that. Like, yeah. The V12s. The V12s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that was, we're curious to your perspective on this, guys. And or, or like a like how about like an offshore racing boat? A uh, racing boat, or or be cool. like one of those uh, formula bikes, you know, the really really high pitch ones. What's what what are the uh, the desert skimmers out of Star Wars? You could do that too. Oh, why not? Uh, yeah. you, you mean the desert skimmer? You mean the um, you know those skimmers, right? The, the, the from the snow, right? They're, they're they're in the sand or they're in the snow, right? Uh, anyway, okay. like a skimmer, like a Star Wars land speeders or whatever. Land speeder, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 one yeah. of the, one of those, yeah. Yeah, I just want to make sure we don't or get how about copyright. Go, or how, yeah. or how, about, how about like going into like uh, warp speed on Star Trek? Well, it, and that, so you're saying do that with internal and external, external speakers. External speakers, yeah. That would be super cool. So you're here to hear first, folks. If you decide to invent that for General Motors or any other ones, let us know because we deserve a piece of the pie. Yeah, and put a clown car sound in there too. Oh, there just for me and Nathan. Ice cream truck. Wow, now now we're really going off the rails. We want to get your opinions on everything that we talked about, guys. So please let you know put your comments below, send us emails, let us know what you think. Yep, and remember go to TFL-studios.com and thank you to all of you for listening and watching. If you're listening to this on uh, our podcast or if you're watching it on YouTube, uh, and thanks to our patrons for helping us uh, do this. Uh, every week uh see you guys next time ciao cheers when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.